0: Move. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, or 1000 percent of the time. How sharp
1: was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears.
0: Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. how on earth did that
2: happen hello everybody and welcome back to wonder goal the soccer betting podcast from the action network presented to you by bet 365 the world's favorite sportsbook brand sign up with promo code action to get bet 365's exclusive sign up offer in new jersey and colorado you bet one dollar on any game you get 200 free we're back to talk about The Premier League this weekend, 10 games coming our way. Then we'll do a little jaunt around Europe. We'll give out our favorite underdogs. And then at the very end, give out our best bets in this match week for the Premier League. But we have to start in North London, where BJ's Arsenal take on Anthony's Liverpool. Arsenal's plus 150 at home. Uh, Liverpool plus 155. The draw here is plus 260. Those odds, of course, provided by Bet365. Anthony, we'll start with you here. Your other team, Tottenham, your second team. They close plus two seventy on the road against Arsenal. Liverpool's plus one fifty five. I think right away that's telling you that there might be a little bit of value here on Arsenal. Uh, I, I'm looking that way. I can hear arguments otherwise. What do you have here?
3: I think it's very hard to make the case, you know. And I went back and forth on this. And and friend of the pod, Bertie Miller, was like, "How are we not taking Arsenal?" And my first glance when I looked at the line was from a buy low and sell high point of view. How are you not buying low on Liverpool and selling high on Arsenal? I mean, Liverpool have looked shaky. They just drew Brighton. Arsenal get the big win in the Derby against Spurs. Now there's a natural letdown, but what's the argument that Liverpool as currently constructed is better than Arsenal. It's an entirely a priors argument to make that case. And it depends on when you set those priors, because if you go back to the last two months of last season, Arsenal and Liverpool were comparable teams. If you go to the first two months now of this season, Arsenal, Arsenal, has a better expected goal difference than Liverpool through the first eight matches of the season. If you look at their schedules, they're very comparable. Both teams played United. Liverpool, you know, both teams losing to United, but Liverpool didn't, you know, they didn't have to play Spurs. So there's a maybe a scheduling advantage, I'd argue, that Arsenal have played a slightly, slightly tougher schedule. Arsenal haven't played Brighton, of course. But uh, other than that, you know, from a number point of view, I'm pretty close, and I actually... I'm very close to showing value on Arsenal here because yeah. I've bumped them considerably. And I know BJ refuses to do so, but uh, I think that uh, we're baking a little bit too much of our priors of the first half of last season. Now into our data, if we're saying that these two teams are even at Arsenal, I was shocked. I thought like you, I mean, and, and I haven't bet on Liverpool
2: in a very long time, just because of how good they've been and the, the prices have been so out of control uh, before looking at the odds at bet three, six, five, I thought, you know, I, I I'm, going have to swallow it here and probably bet Liverpool, especially if they're around the number that, or you know, close to the number that Tottenham closed. And I looked at the number, and this one just doesn't make sense to me. And, and BJ, I don't understand. You know, you're an Arsenal supporter. Anthony and I over here, and he's a Liverpool supporter. I'm an Everton fan, so I'm a little biased here. But I don't understand yeah. how you're not jumping in with us.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's Anthony's point. It's priors, right? Because what you have to ask yourself, okay is Liverpool significantly worse not significantly worse, but are they a big time step down from the magical run last season? I would say yes and no. I think they've gone through some, some struggles, you know, Thiago being out for a long time, kind of messes with the numbers for Liverpool, especially defensively. He's been back. I thought it was interesting. Klopp switched to a four, two, three, one against Rangers in the champions league. And just to get four attackers on the field, You know, if he plays something like that, I think that gives Liverpool a little more structure and a little more attacking threat. What's interesting is, you know, the match towards the second half of last season, it was a midweek one. It was a makeup match. I believe it was on a Wednesday. Liverpool won that match 2-0. XG was pretty close. You know, neither team really created anything of value. I'm pretty sure there was a goalkeeping mistake from Ramsdale on the first goal. But to make the case for Arsenal is in that match, Liverpool only had a 25% pressure success rate. And Liverpool's press has not been... To the intensity that it's been in last season, you saw how Brighton was able to play right through it. Deserby basically just baited on the press. Liverpool just doesn't have the intensity, so they, you know, they created overloads in between the lines and they got their passing structures together and they played right through Liverpool. Arsenal can do the exact same thing. I can't get to the number on Arsenal. If it's I, if a truly big, ba- I if don't know how, how. can you players, to this number? I mean, Liverpool's run last season was historic, right? They were, yeah, but this is not. They were, they were, they were, they were a plus one point seven xG differential per ninety, like they were incredible. So to say that Liverpool is now, you know, essentially a a point where they have 0.7 right now, essentially a goal worse. I don't, I don't buy that at all. Like, I think they're still somewhere in the 1.2 to 1.3 range. And I don't know if I can price Arsenal up there yet. So for me, I'm passing. I do think there is a little value in Liverpool, though. I really do. Like, I I know they haven't been good, but like Anthony said, this is a great, this is a good sell high spot in Arsenal, but there's no way I'm betting against Arsenal. But you're not selling high. The price is, it's a pick-up. I don't understand. At home. At home. home. Look, look, I don't think think
3: Liverpool are four-tenths of a goal better than Arsenal right now. On a neutral field per 90. I don't, I don't, yeah, at this very moment, no, Uh, not with Arsenal putting up numbers that they're a goal better than their opponents thus far. And especially at home, look, you can make criticisms of Arsenal away from home. And I think there will be fade spots for them down the road. And look, I thought early in the season, there was a couple good ones where, you know, maybe they were a little overvalued, laying, you know, multiple goals, goal and a half, you know, the Fulham match comes to mind. But even that match, you know, they were, they dominated that match. Right. And you you go back to the Palace match, opening day. Probably their worst performance of the season until United. So you know their two worst performances coming on the road are notable when when they've been so dominant at home, uh, and I think that's that's got to be taken into consideration here.
1: The one but, thing I'll say is that Liverpool's two toughest matches this season against Napoli and Manchester United, Diago did not play. So we'll see how much of a difference he makes. I mean, we know he on off splits Brighton with him was... right now, but we'll I mean, see. They were. They I do. I mean, th- I mean, they drew
2: Everton. They drew Brighton. This, this. I don't. <laughs> We'll see. This is crazy. Yeah, going from Arsenal, Liverpool to Bournemouth and Leicester, it's a beautiful way to transition. The Cherries, they're plus 250 at home. Leicester, plus 105 underdogs on the road off of their big win in the relegation six-pointer on Monday Night Football against Nottingham Forest. The draw here is plus 240. We know that this Bournemouth offense can't create anything. The defense, though, is you know, not terrible. If you remove that 9-0 drubbing, to Liverpool, they've only allowed ten goals in, in seven. The other seven matches minus nine point six expected goal differential on the season. Uh, which, when you're only creating three point eight expected goals for on the season, it kind of shows you that their defense is not the issue here, right? That said, like their offense isn't the type that you want to back against a tough defensive side. This is a pretty easy pass for me here. I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not too interested in going against Leicester again with another terrible team. So I'm going to pass. But you two think? we could be seeing a little bit of a cage rattler, BJ.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the under two and a half being plus money is pretty crazy in this match. So Bournemouth, they're still yet to create over one expected goal in a match this season. They've created just two big scoring chances against non-big six sides. Like you mentioned, Michael, they have been pretty good defensively in the matches against Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest, Wolves, Newcastle, and Brentford, those matches only averaged 1.9 expected goals total. Leicester, on the other hand, against non-Big Six Sides, because they've played quite a few, they've also been playing really low event styles because, you know, the four matches they played Brentford, Southampton, Brighton, and Forest, those matches only have averaged 2.1 expected goals. Now, Bournemouth has created the fewest big scoring chances. Leicester has created the second fewest. They've only created three so far on the season. And Leicester, this season... Their matches have had 36 goals off of 20.3 expected. That is insane. It has to do with, like we've mentioned many times, Danny Ward being one of the worst goalkeepers that the Premier League has ever seen. And also, James Madison has scored five goals off of 1.2 expected to start the season. So I think this is a great regression type game. I think Bournemouth is going to be able to sit in their usual deep low block. And I have no faith in Lester being able to try and break down that low block. So I only have 2.3 goals projected. I think it's kind of crazy. The under two and a half is at plus money. So give me under two and a half goals.
2: I was really kicking myself this week on Monday. How are
1: you
3: not on Bournemouth, Michael? This is crazy. The number's not even good. It's not good enough. <laughs> I actually the, yeah. kind of lean toward Lester here. I think it's, there's a danger zone situation. Lester's underlying numbers are not as bad as their table position would indicate. You know, you look at the box progression numbers that we like to talk about. Box entries, attacking and defending. They're actually ninth in crosses completed. Uh, they're seventh in progressive passes. And they are seventh in box entries allowed. So they're...
1: they're- here come the foxes,
3: baby. No, I'm not saying that because I think there's other – I think there's a lot of problems. Uh, The goalie is a big one. There's other problems too. They still can't defend set pieces, but Forrest could have had a couple. But uh, I think there's a danger when you have Bournemouth, who is going to sit extremely deep uh, like they did against Wolves. I mean, if you can't – if you're letting Wolves dominate possession against you on your home turf, which is what happened when they played a few weeks ago, you run into a real problem. If Leicester is going to get the ball on the edge of the area a bunch of times – with the players they have and the quality that they tend to show in those situations between Harvey Barnes and James Madison, I just feel like you're asking to concede dumb goals where we're going to, we're going to sit here and we're going to go, Oh my God, James Madison scored a 20 yard goal again. Well, yeah. If he's just standing there on the edge of the box and nobody's near him, you know, there's, there's a danger in how Bournemouth is going to probably try to set up here where a team like wolves, they took a bunch of shots from deep and didn't score. I think Lester may turn up the pressure here and actually get a result. I lean toward them. I also lean toward the under, but first of all, this board with attacks, terrible, under four expected goals for the year, but how do I, I, I can't do it. I bet the end of the other day felt like I was on the right side there and then the, the goals just kept pouring in and, and that wasn't even Lester conceding this time. So uh, I'm going to probably end up staying away here, but I'm very close to Lester. I was telling friend of the pod, one of our only guests ever,
2: Alan Shapiro, that I was kicking myself for now. Oh, I thought you were going to say Fabrizio. Oh, no. Fabrizio's is on a different level. Of course, he, he yeah. is not only the, a friend of the pod, he's he's the godfather of this podcast. and <laughs> uh, Hopefully we'll hear from him again soon. But I was telling Alon Shapiro, I was, I was pissed at myself for not backing James Madison to score on Monday because the darts are in Leicester and he's a huge darts fan. He was playing darts with uh, Gurren Price and Joe Cullen after their game. So that's on me. I failed everybody listening to this podcast for not putting that together. Uh, let's move on now. To Chelsea and Wolves. This one's taking place at Stanford Bridge. Chelsea odds on minus 250 uh, at bet 365. Wolves coming back six and a half to one. The draw is plus 375. Bruno Lodge. Man, somebody on this podcast mm. about a year and, and some change ago thought Bruno Lodge was going to be one of the most underrated managers in the Premier League. We I won't think, say who, I think the won't word, say who it
1: was. I think the word revolution was, was thrown out there. Hey, so not all revolutions succeed.
2: You know, true. history is littered with failed revolutions, BJ. Um, That's true. so the Bruno Lodge revolution sputtered out. Once again, we won't say who thought it was going to be a successful revolution. Uh James Collins and Steve Davis will be the co-caretaker managers for Wolverhampton, who have scored three whole goals this season. <laughs> God bless Wolves. Uh go- fourth. Almost, that's Diego the Costa was offside.
3: It was close. I was
2: like, ah. Yeah. Oh, that's the Wolverhampton story. Almost had a fourth. Um, yeah. 6.9 expected. So, yes. This is like last year, too. We, <sighs> the, the the goals will come. Anthony will be betting Wolves overs uh, as the weather starts to turn uh, colder. If they
3: hire Lopetegui, I mean <laughs> – that's hilarious
1: that they're going to do it's just,
3: I mean, look, Adama Traore dream. They're just going to, I mean, look, Sevilla were notorious for their crossing. It was Lucas acompos Suso, just crossing into El That He's not there the yet. Thing. They're going to do the same thing if they hire him. It's going to be Traore, just cross, cross. Let's get it to Adama, cross, cross, cross. But only like one of them will be any good. So, whew. I mean, we'll see who they hire.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see who they hire. Uh, but Chelsea, they, they've they already taken care of their hire. And it was Grant Potter and he got them. Uh, on the right track with a win on, over the weekend against Crystal Palace and then over the midweek against a battered AC Milan team on Wednesday. I got nothing here. I really want to bet Wolves, but I can't. We always say on the podcast that the new manager bounce is really just positive regression coming for teams. And I just, three goals. It's it's just not enough. It's, I don't trust the offense to be able to break down this Chelsea defense, uh, the Grand Potter Chelsea defense, especially if Thiago... Uh, whatever his name is, is uh, allowed to handball three times in the box and not get sent <laughs> off. Uh, Tiago Silva, like he did against Palace, who have to be the most unlucky team in terms of referee decisions this season between that and the city game. So, yeah, it's a pass for me here. BJ, what do you got?
1: So I wasn't going to play this game. I was like, ah, whatever, pass. And then I was just taking a look at the injury report. And holy moly, do you guys know who, who's going to be playing essentially for Wolves and attack? I mean, Jimenez Neto, He Chan Wang. Klasic and Nevis are all out. Yeah. So it's going to be some version of Diego Costa, Adam, Traore, like then Donker, like it's going to be bad. And I have no idea how they're going to threaten this Chelsea box because I mean, wolves They're they're at 0.87 non penalty XG per 90. Like that's a pretty much where they were around last season when they were one of the worst offenses in the premier league and grand potters. Chelsea has not allowed an opponent to create over one expected goal yet. Salzburg had three shots. Palace had seven shots and Milan had three shots in the Champions League today. So for Wolves, who is one of the the most least efficient offenses in the Premier League, they have the second highest uh, shot distance on average, about nineteen yards away from the goal. I have no idea how they're going to score here. So both teams score no uh, at minus one thirty eight for me as an ode to Bruno Lage one more time.
3: All uh, right, let's go. I, I, I ran my numbers and came up with a huge value on Wolves, and I was like, that can't be right. And then pulled up the injury report, and I was like, yeah, that, that looks right. So, yeah, I'm passing here.
2: Me as well. So, that means we can talk about Man City. They're pretty good. Uh, minus 900 against Southampton. This match is taking place at the Etihad. Uh, Saints plus 1800, 18 to one. The draw is 8 to one. But uh, I mean, this we get to this point every year with City. It's like, oh, well, what what can we even say about them anymore? Uh, let's talk about Saints, though. Ninth in non-penalty expected goals allowed, but the chances they give up are usually quality. 17th in the Premier League in big scoring chances allowed. And you saw in their loss to Everton, I think, kind of the issue, right? They're, they're pretty easy to bully in their own box. Like, they're they're not going to be like this robust team around the six-yard box. I think everyone is pretty high on Bella Kochef as a young, promising, like, you know, center back, but he's got some ways to go. He'll, he'll he'll get there. And I think that's the kind of the case with this whole team. The spine just isn't tough enough. And I think a lot of that is Romeu not being around. Like that's a guy who was just really hard to play against. Like you didn't want to go up against that guy in the middle of the pitch. It feels like they just are not capable or suited. They don't have the personnel to to handle Holland. And, you know, I might be like oversimplifying and, and, and creating a narrative just to base around one player, but it's just how it is at this point with the city team. So even at 18 to one, um usually this type of number in the premier league is automatically a play for me because we'll see one or two a year, but you know, I'm going to sit out. So this will be the one that ala uh, It was right around this time of year, I would say with palace and, and city maybe a little later in the year for that one uh, where they, they won 20 to one. Yeah. It was Halloween weekend. Yes. Yeah, it was a 20 to one underdog. So it's going to be a pass here. BJ of the three of us, you're the only one who's into, <laughs> into this.
1: Yeah, I think both teams score no is kind of cheap at minus 125. Who cares about the city offense? Yeah, they'll probably score four or five here, but the Southampton offense really hasn't been that good. They obviously just created over two expected goals against Everton, but I mean, they're still at 1.05 non penalty per 90. They've only created seven big scoring chances in eight matches. They only have little over six expected goals from open play. The problem is, is they just don't have a consistent goal scoring threat. Like nobody on the team has scored more than two goals. Jay Adams and Adam Armstrong are both averaging under 0.3 XG per 90. And maybe the most concerning thing in terms of this match is that they are the worst team in the Premier League at playing through pressure. They're dead last in offensive passes per defensive action. And the city defense I mean, only 4.9 expected goals allowed in eight matches. Like, if you remove penalties, the only team that's created more than one expected goal against them was Newcastle. So, this defense has continued to just be one of the best in the world. Because maybe if you know some teams have leaked through and got some goals. So, yeah, both teams to score no minus 125. I think is a tad too cheap for how bad this Southampton offense is and the fact they're not going to be able to play through pressure against City.
2: I was a little surprised when I saw our show notes that. Neither of you are going to be joining me on this one. Uh, Newcastle minus 134, Brentford plus 333 on the road. The draw here is plus 275. Newcastle has been much better than their record suggests. We know that. We've covered that. They should have more than two wins according to their you know, goal differential, expected goal differential, whatever. But I still think this number seems a little bit high because they're going up against a good team. And I know Brentford, does their game travel on the road away from Brentford Community Stadium? That's always a question. But it's still, I think it's still a decent number on a team that has shown to be in that kind of eighth to 12th best team in the Premier League at so far the season. So I like, and, and Newcastle isn't that much ahead of that. So I like, I like Brentford here on the road, uh, plus 333 Anthony. They're the third best team at creating big scoring chances. That's something Newcastle doesn't do a good job of preventing. Flip it over. Newcastle does a good job at creating big scoring chances for themselves. Three, third in the Premier League but the Bs are six best at prevent- preventing them. So they're a tough team to beat, better than three to one at going up against a non-elite team. I'll take it. Yeah, I think Brentford
3: can find some success here in transition opportunities. I do think Newcastle's a little bit weak there, uh, but Newcastle's had very impressive underlying numbers. And you can't really take much from last week with the early red card against Fulham, but they're a team who continues to be due for some positive regression. Their field tilt numbers, fifth best in the league, expected threat, fourth best in the league, There's a lot of things to like about Newcastle, and there's not as much to like about Brentford away from home in this spot where they're, you know, I think Brentford's solidly an average team in the Premier League, but going on the road, plus a half against a better team, no thanks. If it got to plus one, I'd bet it, but I'm not betting Brentford here.
2: Let's talk about Brighton then. This is the 12.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Hmm.
3: I'm one. disappointed that BJ is not joining me here, but this I know is, he loves this, chatting, this match,
1: so. You you are insane to think that this, this line this, creates this is, value uh, on This was Brighton. kind of the inverse of, of the Arsenal and
2: Liverpool match where I looked at this line and I was like, this is, doesn't make sense to me. But uh, the Seagulls are plus 175 at home, hosting Spurs plus 150 at Bet365. The draw 240. I got nothing here. I think this line looks right, and I was expecting it to be a lot higher on uh, Brighton. But Anthony, you think it's more than suitable for a bet.
3: Look, I thought I look, I bet Spurs for the first time all year on Tuesday. And after watching that game play out, I would bet it again and again and again and again. I thought that was good process, bad results. Uh, Spurs got Kane Couldn't tap any. Yeah. Couldn't tap. They got sad. him free in the box twice, man, like in the six yard box uh, for crosses. And he just whiffed on him. And then, you know, someone just misses wide and Richarlison had a chance. There were chances and Spurs were the better side. They should have won it. Uh, sometimes, That happens in soccer. Uh, I don't take too much into it in terms of the result of the game. Now, when you watch back what happened in the game, I think you run into an issue that I'm now concerned about, which is the day on Kulisevsky injury. Because I love Rasharlison, but this team lacks creativity right now when Kulisevsky is not on the pitch. Remember, Spurs' big run. Yes, it started with Antonio Conte in November. They got everybody going. Kane and Son were firing and everything was great. But when they took the next step, it was when Kulisevsky came into the team. And they have not been as good without him because they don't have a playmaker. Who's the playmaker for Spurs right now? It's Ivan Perisic, probably, on the left wing back. And then Emerson Royale stinks. And it's Kulisevsky who is not probably not going to play in this match. So you're going to get And they get the ball to the final third. And they seem like they lack ideas because Son is now in more of a playmaker role, which is not his best strong suit. Uh, Kane... Uh, is stuck getting on the end of chances because they need him to do that, but he can't be the playmaker that he's very good at being. So I think there's a bit of a disconnect here and I think Spurs are overvalued. I do. I don't have a huge numbers edge here, but I think from a stylistic point of view, Brighton will be able to play through Spurs. Spurs are not a good pressing team. Brighton will have plenty of time on the ball. They're at home in this match. I, I would be surprised if Spurs won it. And look, it's not that crazy from a numbers point of view. Both teams have played a, almost enough of a sample now to draw conclusions from Brighton have played Liverpool. So they both you know have played good teams in this league. Brighton and Spurs based on FE refs, XG numbers have the same expected goal difference per 90. So now I'm on the road and I'm getting them as a slight underdog, John no O'bet, you know, pick them. So
1: I like Brighton and I bet the Seagulls this morning. Do you know the last team to be this short traveling to Brighton in terms of a big six team? Well, Man United, probably. It was that lame duck, horrible Man United team at the end of last season. Like, are you really gonna sit here and say that the this Tottenham team and that well, Man United well, team are comparable? My Is Brighton really that much better than they were towards the end of last season? Truly? I don't think so. I mean, this line I think I'm playing line's better. Like I'm not playing it, but
0: pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. we are do doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes!
1: I mean, come on, Anthony, you, you playing know, this that are, Tottenham team is, he's mad. He's mad
3: at, he's mad at, Spurs. I'm not mad at all. This is, this isn't mad at all. A, I would I, have, have been, on, I bad. was kind of hoping Spurs would win. I thought I might get a better. Hey, we'll get, and you know, it's, us, a, it's, a, it's a weird situational spot too now, because the champions league kind of becomes a priority next week against Frankfurt. Uh you know, it's I funny. Mean, I, I I think Kulisevsky, look, I think Kulisevsky makes a huge difference and it's one player and yeah, 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 yada, yada, yada. yada. But I'm not denying that Brighton, Brighton can cause us problems and, and, Look, I've said that before. You look at our field tilt from last year and you compare our field tilt to this year, it is worse. So there there are signs that there's problems. You're mad at Spurs. You
2: watch Brighton. Not mad. You take Liverpool... And get un, un, in an unlucky I mean, draw. This is this
1: is just a tough spot for you. Uh, to, I mean, to listen, the navigate. spot's not great. I mean, I'll give you the spot's not great for Tottenham. Like it's not a yeah, good short travel. Yeah, exactly. Traveling to Germany, down to Brighton, and then yeah, another Champions League game next week. So yeah, it's not a good spot. But I mean, I mean, come on.
3: Like I already grabbed aw. Spurs the minute FanDuel opened a line for the Frankfurt home match. Yep. So like, look, this is not like a. I think Spurs are terrible now. Like I don't think that's the case. And I like I said, I bet them there was a bad opener, but my point is that this is not a good spot. This is not a good matchup for us. And it's, it's a spot that we really struggled in in the spring against this team. We couldn't create anything. Even when we were playing really well at home, we were minus minus one hundred and eighty. We created less than one expected goal. I think there's a problem in this kind of matchup. And I like Brighton at home. All right. You're, you're telling Tottenham,
2: go to your room. I'm very mad at you. Uh, I'm not mad, look, I'm look, disappointed. I, I, uh, Palace... I was
3: more I was more, I was not that upset by the derby loss. I'm going to be dead honest with you. I was not that upset because I I thought they yeah. played okay. But That's
2: that's not what that's not what you said when you were when you called me right after in, in tears. Palace uh, plus 110 <laughs> uh, hosting leads, leads, plus 240 the draw is plus 250. Um question, was this Palace defense ever going to improve? Uh, that's really what you're asking about. It in conceded less
3: than one XG to Chelsea, know. no? know?
2: They gave up two goals, <laughs> though. That's that, like at some point, you just got to do both. You got it. Like if you're going to get results, <laughs> like, uh, come they're win, lying. Win, the win, win, I love win. Palace. And win the uh,
3: in this spot. I, I like Palace. I think, look, go on. I, what? I'm gonna go on. going to keep going. I'm shocked yep. by this. Yep. Go. Look, I think I've got the better team who has been dominant at home, and I get plus money on them. That's enough for me. I am a fan of Jesse Marsh. I am a fan of Leeds. I think, you know, obviously last week's numbers are a little bit skewed because, you know, they got an early, somewhat early red card and that kind of led them to be defending for their lives for the end of the match. So you can't apply too much into that. But I don't think we can even use Palace's numbers still. And that's going to be the case for like three or four more matches until they play mediocre teams. The sample of them against not very good teams, there's one game. And it's Villa. That's the worst team they've played and they dominated them. And I think this is a perfect get right spot at home. Sinistera being out, by the way, is a big loss for Leeds. I mean, he's very lively, excellent in transition. It's where Palace could get exploited. I don't think that will be the case in this match. And I look, I like Leeds a lot. Their performances away from home have not been nearly as good as they've been at home under Marsh. And I think that is definitely something that uh, I believe will be a problem in this match going up against the best home, you know, one of the best home away splits in that there is. I mean, Leeds have played three away matches this year and they got handled by Brighton. They got handled by Brentford and they played Southampton about even. I think Palace is much closer to the Brentford and the Brightons of the world than I do Southampton. And I think uh, I'm only I'm getting plus money here. I'll take it. I, I make Palace minus one Oh five. You're mad at
2: Tottenham. I'm I'm just maybe I'm just mad at Christmas. I'm not Palace. mad at Palace. And, like uh, they
3: lost to Chelsea. Like, I know, I know. but I thought
2: like good. I just and they I, lost in like up, an eighty eighth minute. I know. They were, but they were, 1-0. they were up one nil, they were up one nil, they were up two-nil against Man City. These I'm just I'm mad at them. That's all. That's that's what's skewing my my look here. Uh, maybe I'll join you. I, I think I, there's I, a case I, I, like, I thought like, I was gonna be passing on
3: this. You could make the point that Vieira is like mismanaging these leads against big teams and sitting a little bit too deep and inviting too much pressure, right? They blow a two-nil lead to City, they blow the lead to Liverpool. They blow the lead to Chelsea. But the fact that they have leads against these really good teams is more important to me than the fact that they keep blowing them. Uh, they've dropped a ton of points this year. Does anybody really think they're a bottom six team? No. So positive regression's coming. I'm all in on Palace. All
2: right. um, uh, I'll just trust you. Yeah, I just will. I, this match match I, love... mu-
3: I mean, we haven't even lost that much money on Palace. If you think well, you it. haven't.
2: I bet the money line. So like, I, right, And, I'm, and I'm, used to, I'm used to that kind of just like swing on a team. Speaking of, like one of them was the biggest one for me last year was West Ham. Like they were winning at big numbers all throughout like the early part of our fall and, and into the early winter, and then plummeted. But let's talk about those hammers. 9 a.m. on Sunday, West Ham minus 138 against Fulham, plus 375 on the road for a London derby. The draw here is plus 280. Fulham is going through it with injuries. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic is doubtful, Anthony Robinson still doubtful. However, West Ham isn't good. Like they're just not good right now. So I'm not terribly concerned that you're getting a, a, a slightly weakened Fulham team at this number. This is a good number to go against West Ham. Uh, it's, you're getting close to four to one. I think when the lineups come out, this numbers might go up even further, like when everything's confirmed. So you might want to just sit back. If you're into the pain, like I am and going to be betting uh, the cottagers here, and I know that the defense has been terrible, and it's getting to be where Marco Silva had Everton. You know, just he sometimes just ignores the other half of the game, which it's fun to put the ball on the carpet and create scoring chances. But you also need to defend a little this bit there, Marco. You got to defend. This um, is
3: this is this is taking stuff personally. You just don't like Marco. They're typing the Marco.
2: Lead. I liked Marco. I think he's very handsome, but he's a little stubborn. Uh, Fulham defense, 20th in non-penalty expected goals allowed, and big scoring chances allowed, but here's the good news, Anthony. Here is the good news. David Moyes' is West Ham, 19th in creating non-penalty expected goals, 18th in creating big scoring chances. They're just not good enough to exploit it right now. I like Fulham. I like Fulham on the money line. BJ, am I crazy?
1: No, uh, you're not crazy. I mean, West Ham matches the season are averaging 1.7 non-penalty expected goals. That is uh, a true David Moyes ball, but with Fulham, I mean, they are they are painfully too direct right now. I mean, highest direct speed, second fewest passes per sequence. You have 16 direct attacks compared to just five buildup attacks. That's the lowest in the Premier League. So the direct correlation of like actually creating consistently creating big scoring chances, it's not good for Fulham. They have taken 56 shots from open play and created just a little over five expected goals. Only Bournemouth is worse in the Premier League. And also Anthony mentioned on a few last pot or a few pots ago, but they're really reliant on Mitrovic scoring. Like he's scored. He has five of their nine expected goals on the season. Like he's questionable. I don't know if he's actually going to play in this one. So uh, I have a hard time seeing how they're going to create anything of value who against the David Moyes defense that is third in the premier league in non-penalty expected goals allowed. They're only allowing 0.86 per match. Like that's, it's crazy nuts. when you consider when you, can, when you consider how bad their defense. Yeah, yeah what their how bad their defense was towards the second, second half of last season. And listen, it does you know being healthy obviously matters. Like their their defense yeah. has been healthy, but I mean last five matches, which has included two matches against Tottenham and Chelsea, they haven't allowed any of those teams to create over one expected goal. Only three point two expected goals allowed in their last five. So. I mean, Moyes is really just back to his old ways. He's just sitting deep in a low block. They're dead last in pass per defensive action. They're not coming out and pressing. They're fifteenth in field, field tilt. But hey, it's been successful. So why change it? Right. I mean, and then for Fulham, define like successful 0.86, non penalty expected allowed. That's pretty successful right now, defensively, at least. I'm not trying to say we'll get to their offense. Because, well, they're 15th in the uh, table,
3: though. I mean, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean,
1: but it's because like, of the, no, the offense has been really bad, right? The right. Op- if you can't score yeah. and you can't counter, then yeah, that's bad. Defensively, it's working. But, you know, that transition of getting it forward, going offensively really isn't working. So, I mean, Fulham will have Pauline back from yellow card suspension. That's obviously massive for them. I'd say he's outside of, you know, that one striker at uh, where Manchester City. I'd say that uh, Pauline is probably the signing of the summer. Man, you sound like someone really? who hasn't watched Connor Cody play this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Holland doesn't even count as signing uh, of the summer.
1: Yeah, uh, but anyway, I mean, West Ham's created four big scoring chances on the season. Like, they're painfully bad offensively. So, both teams to score Noah's project is, is at plus 110 right now. Like, that's crazy. That's plus money with how bad both of these offenses are. So, um, let's keep the both teams to score no train rolling. Give me that at uh, plus 110.
2: Anthony, if I bet Crystal Palace, will you bet following with me? No. All right, let's talk about Everton and Manchester United. You know what time this game's kicking off on Sunday? Ten thirty P- Central 2, Time, two p.m. Eastern Time. A seven, oh, really? Se- it's see? a it's a seven p.m. kickoff over in England. Oh, uh, okay. because it's the BT Sport game of the uh, of the week. Um, of and usually year? that's usually that slot is twelve thirty uh, in England, but that would have not given Manchester United the requisite like forty eight hours. Uh, from their Europa League match. So they had to move it to the other open slot, which is 2 p.m. uh, for us, 2 p.m. Eastern. So 7 p.m. uh, over there. So a rare Sunday night football match. Everton plus 275. Under the lights at Goodison Park. United minus 106. The draw here is 2 plus 240 at Bet365. Oh, Frank Lampard's toffees, man. Seven match on beaten streak. You know who's allowed the fewest goals in the Premier League this season? That's Frank Lampard's toffees, man they haven't allowed more than a goal since they played Aston Villa and they've only allowed more than one goal in one match this season. And I'm not too concerned about the defensive regression because they have regression proof goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, the mm-hmm. center back pairing of Cody and Tarkovsky. Like they're, they're just really good at defending their box. And with gone in front of them, like this is a team that's probably going to beat their expected goals against numbers for the season. Just when you think about their personnel, and I don't, I'm not too concerned about the offense against this Man United defense that ranks 16th in non-penalty expected goals per 90, 16th in shots allowed per 90, and 12th in big scoring chances. Uh, they got picked apart by a Manchester City team just a little bit. They're just a little bit better uh, than Everton. I think we could all agree on that. And uh, it's, it's been weeks and weeks of me, of me beating this drum and saying, you guys are missing out. Get on the bandwagon. It's coming. This team's going to pay off. And they've paid off. And now all of a sudden... Guess who's joining the party? BJ and Anthony. Anthony on Everton. First time in what a
3: year and a half. I'd have to go back and look. I definitely bet a couple of Everton unders uh, last year. I don't remember betting on Everton, uh, but I think that the stylistic matchup here is that Everton will successfully be able to sit deep and counterattack man United. And I think that United thrives in certain situations when they can, when they can, uh, you know, win the ball and run into space behind, They use Sancho and Antony, but United have a striker issue right now with the injury situation. That's concerning. United do not do enough for me to dominate possession and dominate games against lower table sides, especially on the road. That creates a situation where I'm a bit concerned for them here in this spot. It's also a weird situation for them with the uh, Europa League travel right before. Then they're going to have to travel up to uh, or over to Everton. Uh, so it's not a great situational spot. It's not a great numbers situation either. I mean, look at United away from home this season. They went to Southampton and won 1-0, but they lost expected goals. They went to Leicester and won 1-0, but expected goals were 1.1 1. 1 to 0. 0.6. Uh, what we know about Leicester, eh, not that inspiring performance you know, in hindsight. Uh, and then they went to Sheriff and won the expected goals by one. Did a 2 nil win. Good performance, but it, it, again, it's Sheriff. I think that they're are still oh, concerns. And I don't think everything is all right at man United. What? So I like Everton plus <laughs> a half and BJ will tell you they're the worst team that's ever existed. And I disagree,
1: <laughs> but I'm just surprised but, uh, you're like kind of seeing the light here. Anthony. that maybe this you Manchester United, everyone see the light here in
2: this match. Finally. So uh, look, the season, I think there's the definitely, light, I mean,
3: look, you, you bet Arsenal against them. I was, I was out on that trap. I think that was a bad matchup, but I think there are certain matchups Perhaps. that United will be good in, but uh, there, there are some that I don't want any part of them. And this is one where I want no part of man United. I mean, like the Ole thing. It's just Olay. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of where we're at yeah, now no, with
1: it, United, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, I mean, credit to Eric Ten Hong for actually having to, you know, being able to develop a different style style for Manchester United, because he realized that his defensive midfielders and center backs suck so that he needs to essentially play a low defensive line. I mean, United is playing the lowest defensive line in the entire premier league right now. Like that's crazy and to think about. Like they've played, they stopped and- kicking it short. Exactly, the goal they're kicks. just playing it long. <laughs> like they've, they've, they've turned into Burnley, Michael. Like United is just now. I mean, they probably should have hired Sean Dyche if they're going to play this way. Um, but hey, listen, Michael. I mean, Dominic Calvert Lewin has been upgraded to questionable for this match, so we it might doesn't matter. We finally, got Mopai. We might find no. We might finally see the striking duo of Mopai and Dominic <laughs> Calvert Lewin, which I know everybody has been waiting for to see to really unlock this Everton attack. But I mean, no, I mean even last year, Everton really, I mean, they beat United at Goodison park. Like they yeah. held them under one expected goal. And then they did the same thing at old Trafford when they drew them one, one. And I mean, United, they're allowing a 1.68 expected threat per 90 minutes. Like only Everton, Portsmouth, and crystal palace have a higher expected threat a Like teams are just getting inside the final third and creating chances against United. And yeah, they're playing, they're sitting deep. And you know, the, the city match, we can't really, you know, we, there are things we can take away from that. Like that, yeah, United still have a, a lot of problems to go way beyond Harry Maguire. Varane is out for this match as well. So it's going to be Lindelof and Lysandra Martinez back there. Not, not a great center back pairing. It's going to be great to Onana versus yeah. Lysandra yeah. M- Martinez. I mean, United's, 16- United's 16th and expected goals allowed. Like this defense is still really, really yeah. bad. Uh, so yeah, I'm on Everson plus half a goal, like the trip to the Cyprus in the middle of the week, like or on Thursday <laughs> is, is, is challenging because United lost to Sociedad and they have to take this match seriously. Yeah. Like they can't just go in and walk on and try to walk over to Kosia. Like they have to take it seriously. So yeah, give me the Toffees plus half a goal on this one. I think that makes it what nine for nine on United fades, Anthony. So I, lo- I lost count. Are you up on those? Uh, I feel like, we're, I don't know. Probably not, but I'll, you. I'll, I'll keep doing it and get you. I mean,
2: the beginning of the season was just, it was free money, no matter if you were betting on or against United, if you're listening to this podcast. But yeah, I think uh, this is this is just a, a banger of a spot for Frank Lampard's toffees. And he's got them going in the right direction. It feels good uh, right now. Hey, guess who's back on Monday Night Football? Nottingham Forest, plus 230. Hosting <laughs> oh, o- 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 Aston Villa, uh, plus 120 oh. on the road. The How do they keep getting all
3: these island matches? I'm like almost certain they have the Friday match the following week as well.
2: You know what's incredible? Is this, this it's,
3: uh, since the end of Steve Cooper?
2: No, no, no. Because when they oh, go they're down, he, he's, the, he, he's the guy. He's the guy who's going to have to bring him back up. Yeah. Here's the problem. I'm going to bet Nottingham Forest in this match. <laughs> That's the problem. I might be. Uh, the, I might be too. Let like, me think about well. the matchup here. Like, Just think about it simply. What's Mon- Nottingham Forest's biggest problem on the field? Like, I'm not talking about the absolutely sociopathic recruiting. I'm talking about the Onfield, and that's their defense. Wouldn't stop Dulwich Hamlet from scoring right now, but they don't have to worry about that because Aston Villa's attack might be worse than Dulwich Hamlet's uh, attack. It's so bad. Uh, so, like you t- you're you're taking a terrible defense against a pragmatic, lumbering offense, and this is the spot. They're at home. It's a huge game for them. Uh, I I like Forest. It sucks, but I the House of Pain. It's the city ground. Uh, I'll be on the tricky trees here,
3: Anthony. Look, it's very hard for me to do this because of what I've said about Villa and my positions on them uh, and my belief in them. Uh, but I, I do show a little bit of value on Nottingham Forest at home. I've actually <laughs> me I've too. actually bumped me them too. in the last two weeks. And I know that's hard to say after they lost to Leicester, but I actually thought they did some things well in that match. I thought they uh, went to Leicester and, and played about even unexpected goals. And sometimes, you know, we were in a meeting, BJ, during this game. Taiwo hits the post on, on a one-on-one chance. And then Lester comes right down the other end, deflected goal from 20 yards. Lingard whiffed, hooked.
1: and then it was a deflected goal.
3: Right. It so it, it's look like flukes happen in one soccer match. We cannot overreact to one soccer match. Uh, we cannot overreact to Forrest's defense, which has been terrible, but has been at least presentable at home somewhat. I don't know. It's hard to make the case, but really it's more of a of a should Villa be a half goal favorite on the road against anybody right now. <laughs> I'd argue much closer. No. Um, what about Dollar Challenge? I, I am gonna have to build the courage again to bet this team. It's
2: good. That's why it's good that it's a Monday night game.
3: You know, you no, gotta, it's bad because I'm no, more likely to bet it. No, it's good. If it was on Saturday at 10, I could just say I'm no, never gonna turn this match on. No, no, no. I'm never you, going to even you're gonna look have at the all score. Day. I'm gonna you're turn gonna, off the goal alerts for this game. You're gonna have now I'm all gonna be day. Like, Monday You're night. You're gonna I have night.
2: all day, and there's gonna be one singular thing on your mind, and that's I'm betting Nottingham Forest today, and so is my friend B.J. Cunningham.
1: Yeah, I do actually show a little bit of edge in Nottingham Forest, which is kind of crazy to say. I mean, they were, I mean, they they won the expected goals battle against Leicester, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, again, I'll I'll keep holding on to the fact, and maybe I'll just keep they're not playing it. the and new so, players. I, I know they're not like their defense is the same. They as they, they've, they've, like, they they just added... it's like a hostage situation. It's, <laughs> it's incredibly strange. I mean, wait, listen, when Rafa Benitez gets in and, and turns this team into he's, a he's gonna sell them all. Like, he hates block. every player who's ever played for. Him. I know. I mean,
2: it's <laughs> this, this is guy. what happens. He's gonna bring in Andros Townsend, he's gonna bring in Ron Don, <laughs> he's gonna bring in his
1: guys. This is what happens when you just decide I'm going to buy 19 players. I don't really care if they fit the system. I'm just going to buy 19 players so that we have the talent. And like, Listen, Forrest does have some talent. Like it's not like that these players they bought were bad. Like Tywo is good. Lindegaard still has something in there. Um, but yeah, Morgan gives a promising Foyler. young talent. Yeah. Froyler like these, they have some talent and I'm going to keep holding on to that fact probably until they get relegated that Hey, they're going to turn the ship around at some point because these players are actually going to get to know each other and learn to play in the system. And maybe this maybe this situation happens, you know, on Monday. I mean, Villa, yeah, they created over 2 expected goals against Leeds, but a lot of it came after the red card. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'll be on Nottingham Forest. It'll be fun. Yeah, last week was my first Forest bet. How was the experience? I I, I, don't know. I, I convinced he, Anthony at the final minute to bet it. He
3: did. And the experience was terrible, to be, to be completely honest. But but you know, my forest relegation ticket that is looking good. So,
2: yeah, it was a double whammy for me on Monday when they uh, ruined my Lester last at Christmas. Uh, All right. So that wraps up the premier league. Let's talk about some European leagues. Our best bets will start in Germany, but before we get there, a reminder that wonder goal is presented by bet. Three, six, five, the world's favorite sports book brand sign up with promo code action. You get bet. 365s exclusive sign up offer in New Jersey and Colorado bet $1 on any game. Get 200 free. Bundesliga, Der Klassiker. Uh, we had someone reach out to us, a listener who I thank very much for listening and reaching out saying that um, they don't call it Der Klassiker in Germany. It's just that's kind of a vernacular no no. But I'm still going to call it Der Klassiker because that's, we're American and we butcher these things, just like how, you know, BJ says Belgrade. And, and I can't pronounce like half the teams' names in, in a lot of these leagues. Uh, we apologize for that. It doesn't make us less of soccer fans. And, and once again, we do thank you for, for reaching out. Uh, Dortmund plus 320 at home, hosting Bayern Munich minus 150. The draws 375. <laughs> we just talked about uh, the pain of betting Nottingham Forest. Uh, this one's going to come close for you two gentlemen, I think. I mean, I know Dortmund's not Dortmund anymore in terms of like their back and forth seesaw battles, but an under here in a Bayern Dortmund match, Anthony,
3: you know, every time this match gets played, I, uh, I show value on the under, but it's very rare I actually bet it. And, you know, you go back to the last two seasons now, there've been four games that they've played against one another. I've only bet the under once and it, it was because it got to four. And it was uh, the end of last season in April. And I was like, all right, four is just too much. It ended 3-1, there was 3.2 expected goals. There was a penalty in there, but I pushed. But, but the reality here, is that this Dortmund team is just not the same, and they? I also normally look to play Bayern in this match. Normally, Bayern is actually undervalued for me because I think the uh, the market uh, prices these two teams closer than they actually are on a consistent basis. I remember betting you know Bayern in the first match, but from a stylistic point of view, this Dortmund attack looks very lost when they're not playing a team called Sevilla. They. <laughs> did absolutely nothing for the majority of the first half against Cologne last week on the road. That's a pretty big red flag going up against Bayern. You look at the underlying numbers for this Dortmund team, and we've talked about the regression, but they're getting almost nothing from Tony Modest. And he was somebody who finished well above their XG last season. He has 14 shots in seven matches. That's really bad for the supposed second-best team. Jude Bellingham is getting more shots than Anthony Modest. Marco Royce is their third leading shot getter. He's out. Their fourth shot person, Marius Wolf, Gladbach reject. So think about all of the issues that 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 also probably out for this match. Right. Think about all the, you know, problems with that when you think about it. And you know, Danielle Malin is up there too. Somebody who's not getting regular minutes right now. So where are the shots coming from that are gonna trouble this Bayern team? They're not there. I think Bayern is a little overvalued because now they're up to like minus one fifty, minus one sixty. They've taken money. They actually have taken more money as Dortmund was smashing Sevilla. People were betting, you know, somebody was betting Bayern to roll Dortmund, which I think is a, a kind of a of a sense of what the situation is right Well, now. they
1: they rolled With Pleasant, them. obviously. So yes, yeah, so
3: they, they definitely moved the needle. But but the reality, I like the end of three and a half. This, this is one of the rare times I will actually bet it. I like betting it more so at Dortmund because you might get a better defensive effort. Defense is still okay. And you know, they were really bad on the road at Köln last week, but they're still, I think, improved. So give me the under.
2: And BJ, you're, you're in for the pain too, huh? Get
1: ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Yeah, I mean, these matches are always stupid, like Anthony mentioned. I mean, both matches were under three and a half expected goals last season. Like Anthony mentioned, the second one had a penalty in it. I mean, Anthony hit the nail on the head that this Dortmund attack just has nothing right now when they have to face uh, a good side. But the flip side of that, and we've been talking about it, is that their defense has actually greatly improved impl- with Sule and back at as a, as a center back pairing. So I think they'll be able to do some things to help keep Byron out versus, you know, last season playing Hummels and Nankanji back there. I think that's a big improvement. Um, Byron has a couple guys that might be out, you know, Thomas Mueller's questionable, uh, Coleman's questionable as well. So obviously they have a ton of depth. So I'm not trying to say that Byron's attack is going to, you know, not have their way in this match, but yeah, I, I only project 3.1 uh, goals. So yeah, I'll, I'll jump on the pain. It It won't be fun, but yeah, there is some value on the under. I mean, I think Makoko
3: is going to start. I mean, he's 17. Yeah, and then like he shows promise, but he's 17.
1: He's he's not uh, not very big either. So um, no. yeah, him and a Demi up top. oof, man. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, they're going to start Tony not-
3: Tony Modeste, but I mean, Modeste yeah. is in decon. He, I mean,
1: he, I mean, if Byron wants to play a high line, like he's not getting him behind them. So like, how is Dortmund really going to threaten Byron if they want to play a high line? You know. Right. So
2: yeah. Uh, what else in the Bundesliga for you this week, Bj?
1: Yeah, how about a Friday afternoon kickoff? Hoffenheim, let's go minus one ten at home against Werder Bremen. Kind of a cheap price here, I think, for Hoffenheim, who's sitting fifth in the Bundesliga. I think we can throw out their first match against Gladbach, where they got a red card in the nineteenth minute. Their last seven matches, they have a plus 5.2 expected goal differential, and they've only lost the expected goals battle once, and it was to Dortmund on the road. Last season, they were a really good offensive team. They were top five in expected goals. They created the second most big scoring chances. They played through pressure well. They progressed the ball up the field very well. Their Achilles heel was they just gave up far too many big scoring chances. They allowed 1.75 per match this season. They went out and they got Ozan Kabak from Schalke, who's now you know slotted into their, their starting center back pairing. He's improved them quite drastically. Now they're only allowing around one big scoring chance per match. So if the defense has improved. You still have a really good offense. And Werder Bremen, uh, they're, they're drastic overperformers offensively. 18 goals of around 12 expected so far. I found this kind of funny. Werder Bremen has scored in every single match this season, except for against Augsburg of all teams, which is crazy to say, but stylistically, I think this is a good advantage here for Hoffenheim because Werner Bremen, they love to press high, like their top five and pressures in the final third and high turnovers, but Hoffenheim, their bottom five in those two categories They're sixth uh, to last in field tilt, but they are top five at playing through pressure. So I think they'll be able to sit deep and basically open up, allow Werder Bremen to come on, bait them to press them, and then really play balls through and progress the ball up the field and and create a lot of big scoring chances. So I have Hoffenheim projected at minus 133. So I like the price on them at minus 110 at Bet 365.
2: Anthony, we have a couple teams of the podcast. One of them is Mines. I'm going to talk about another one when we get to La Liga. You're on Mines here.
3: Yeah, you know, it's actually been kind of an underwhelming season for Mines thus far. Their underlying numbers are pretty average. uh, And I think they are still in a good spot here at home against Leipzig. Leipzig with a big win in the Champions League, aided by some shocking goalkeeping. I mean, I don't want to rant about goalkeepers, but they've cost me a lot of money in the last week. Just passing the ball right to the other team. But Leipzig still looks extremely vulnerable in defensive transition. I mean, you watch the game today. Celtic had a lot, many periods of sustained pressure in that game where it looked like they should have scored in the first half and then in transition just ripped them apart in the early part of the second half. Uh, So I still have major question marks about this Leipzig defense, even though watching Chris and Cuckoo cook is a lot of fun. Mine's still excellent defensively. And so I think this is a good matchup for mines at home. They are undervalued. I like them on the draw no bet line and then I'll be betting them uh, in our underdog segment as well.
2: From Germany to Spain, La Liga. BJ, uh, let's start with you.
1: Yeah, I like uh, Sociedad Villarreal over two and a half goals at even money. So um, listen, we all love Alexander Ishak on this podcast, but Sociedad's created 7.7 7 expected goals in the five matches without him so far, which is actually a higher average than they had with him last season. That again, we love Ishak, but something kind of maybe a little bit notable i mean they just put five past girona on the weekend this is the same team that underperformed drastically last season you know 40 goals off 53 expected they were due for some positive regression unai emery's via real does have the second best defense on expected goals but uh, you kind of have to take it with grain of salt given the schedule they played Valladolid, you know atletico obviously a very very difficult test and getafe elche Betis, sevilla cadiz not exactly murderers row on the flip side, VRLs offense is absolutely clicking just like it was last season. They didn't lose anybody over the off season. They already created 13 expected goals in seven matches. And, uh, you know, per info goals, expected goals model, they have only been held under one and a half expected goals, uh, one time in their first seven matches. And it was against Getafe. And, you know, the two meetings were pretty high event last season. The first one had four over four expected goals created and the second one had 3.2. So, Two and a half goals is that even money, which I think is a little cheap. So, uh, like over two and a half in Sociedad Villarreal. There's been a scoring explosion in La Liga this year. It's been fun. Yeah, I, uh, I think we're going to have to start playing some overs in uh, La Liga.
2: Not against this team, though. That's Athletic Club Bilbao. That's my favorite bet this week down the road. Uh, against Anthony's boys, Sevilla, Bilbao, Los Leones, the team from the Basque Country. They're plus 140. 65-1 to 1 to win La Liga. Three points adrift of Barcelona right no. now. And the best, uh, the second best defensive team. (laughs) They're the second best defensive team uh, by expected goals in uh, the Spanish top flight right now. They're taking on Sevilla who are the second worst and are just look just awful. Also coming off uh, some short rest. So yeah, even as a road favorite still continue to sell low, which is bad betting hygiene, but I'm going to do it anyways. On Sevilla with Los Leones. Bill Bow. first bet on them for me. I think the season uh, feels good to be back in the Basque country. Anthony.
3: I will say bet regret maybe of the year for me. Lope, the players knew Lopetegi was getting fired before the game. I didn't know that. And I didn't find out until the Galazzo show kicked off. And they said that on the broadcast. And I was like, why am I, why do I have my bank account on Dortmund here at plus 140? I like, that's an absurd number. And then they scored in the six minute. So uh, do you know Sevilla's bringing in? I hadn't heard, but no matter who it is, he's not going to solve their problems. It's Sam Polley from Marseille. Oh, my goodness. Just, just, oh my gosh. They're, they're
1: just out to get you from B- one hated team to another. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and and Lopatagi is going to Wolves potentially. Now, I know. So, like that's, <laughs> I mean, they're just these bad teams that we hate, just trade managers. Uh, I can't wait to figure out. Uh, we don't hate Wolves. We're, we're, we're sorry is going to end up. But, <laughs> but, uh, once he leaves Lazio, anytime you can bet on a team, Named CLV in gambling. I mean, how do you not do it, right? You know, we bet on them last week at home against Betis. They cashed for us. Now I'm going to take an under. This is a terrible spot for Barcelona. They just had a really tough loss on the road at Inter. They have to host Inter next week. And El Clasico is the week after. So you have three matches against Inter Milan, Inter Milan, and Barca, and Real Madrid that will go a long way toward deciding your season. And This is in October. I mean, it's getting dicey for Barca and our tickets right now. but. Now they have a home match against Celta Vigo. And Barcelona has been flat in the last few matches. And I think that uh there's there's some pressure surrounding Lewandowski, but really I think this is more a matter of they'll probably wake up at some point. But I do not think this is the spot where they will do that. Celta Vigo is a bet on team for me. They're a team who's run really unlucky thus far with their expected goals allowed. They've conceded 13 goals from less than nine expected. Vigo's a solid team, they're a top half team in the league. Under three, I think their defense will be effective. Barca will be flat under. That's an interesting spot. Uh, maybe maybe to Vigo on the money line. Yeah, I looked bit. at Vigo plus one and a half, yeah. too. I might play both. All right,
2: let's talk uh, Syria, because uh, we have to. Uh, BJ, laying it with Torino?
1: Yeah, kind of a cheap price here, I think, for Torino at home against Empoli. I mean, I thought, at least I thought, Torino would take a step back this season after, after losing Bremer and a couple other key pieces from that team that we all loved last year, but they've continued to be pretty good. I mean, they haven't even expected goal differential through eight matches, but you know, four of them came against Lazio, Atalanta, Inter, and Napoli. The other four matches were against Monza, Lecce, Cremonese, and Sassuolo, and uh, they put up seven expected goals and only allowed three point six. Um you know Torino obviously plays this very slow possession based style whereas Empoli is 442 but they love to come out and try and press teams high which leaves them very open and why they allow a lot of expected goals they have the second most high turnovers in Syria, but Torino is the third best team in Italy at playing through pressure so I have no doubt they're just going to rip apart this Empoli defense uh who has been pretty lackluster to begin the season like they were last year um have Torino projected at minus 149 so I like the value at minus 125
3: Anthony, what what do you have for us from your motherland? BJ and I disagree here. He's going to be on Verona. I'm going to be on Sour Nitana. Look, (laughs) I think our priors are wrong on Verona because you're basing off of last year's numbers. This team is so much worse than last year's. It's not even comparable. Kevin Lasagna is their primary goal scorer right now in terms of uh, at least primary shot getter. That's 30-year-old Kevin Lasagna. Uh, I have... No idea how this team will continue to score for the rest of the season. I am very skeptical of this team. Uh, I think they're a prime fade candidate. Their last three away matches, 0.7 expected goals against Empoli, 0.3 against Lazio, 0.8 against Fiorentina. Then they came home, 0.3 against Udinese. They had one good home game against Sampdoria, who was also in the relegation battle. That was at home, though. Now they're going on the road. Also, you can even go back early in the year against Atalanta at home a very weak Atalanta lineup. They took a lot of money, created less than one expected goal point five. So this team just has no goal scores. I mean, look, they were lucky last year. They were a prime regression candidate. And then they lost the two dudes who were really good at finishing the chances and running really hot. I think they're really bad. And I think the market's not, uh, not quite caught up yet. So give me Sauronitana at home. I think they're... Uh,
1: You'll uh, never, ever give comparable, me down, Salernitana. Comparable ever. team.
3: Comparable team at home
2: love it 1. bj what we got
1: how about lorient on the road against stade Brest? Well, how about a third straight fade of uh Brest? they've been they've been bad like they have been horrible they've allowed 10 expected goals in their last six matches like they just played auger over the weekend auger got a red card in the 50th minute and Brest still only created 0.6 expected goals and lorient yeah, they've been overperforming, but they're riding a five-match win streak coming into this thing. They've, you know, they haven't been good defensively, but I think the price is a little crazy. I mean, this Stade de team is is one of the worst teams in France, so I think you're getting a a good price here on uh, on a red hot Lorient uh, at a Bet at plus one twenty.
2: All right, that wraps up our jaunt around the rest of the Big Five. Our little European adventure there. Now we get to talk about our favorite underdogs for the week, as always. I will remind you, these bets are not for the faint of heart, but we will tell you what the odds would be if you put all three of these teams together in a three-leg parlay. BJ, back to France.
1: Yeah, I'm just living in the uh, relegation zone of France betting it. It's just been torture for me this season, but this Claremont foot team is annoying the living crap out of me. They have the fewest expected goals in league on and have allowed the most. They have a negative 10.2 expected goal differential. They are sitting in ninth place with four wins. I tried to fade them over this past league with the Joccio. It did not go well. They scored two bangers in the 90th minute. It was not fun. So I'm taking Auger, plus 260 on the road at Clermont Foot because there's no way in hell that they should be minus 105 against anybody in France. This team is taking the fewest shots of anybody in France and they've allowed the second most. This team is really, really bad. They lost their best striker from last season. They've just been overperforming like crazy. So, yeah, I'm just going to keep trying to fade this Claremont Foot team uh, until until the end of the season, until or until I'm bankrupt. So Auger, plus plus two sixty.
2: Uh, a team that I've been regularly fading uh, to mixed results. West Ham minus one thirty eight. They're hosting Fulham. Fulham, my favorite underdog, plus three seventy five. That price might continue to tick up. Uh, as lineups come out, because Fulham is going through a little bit of an injury song and dance here. Uh, it's been a downward swing for the Cottagers. Uh, their defense is not very good. In fact, they're near the bottom or at the bottom in terms of non penalty expected goals allowed, a big chances allowed. But West Ham's offense, 19th in creating expected goals, 18th in creating big scoring chances. This game could turn into a little bit of a rock fight, and if that is how it plays out, you're going to be wanting to hold a plus 375 ticket on the Cottagers. Marco Silva and Fulham. They're my favorite underdog. Anthony, what's yours?
3: Yeah, Leipzig's a better team than Mines, but they're not a better team to the point where they should be this much of a road favorite. I like Mines plus 215 at home. Our boys from Germany, excellent at preventing big scoring chances, should be able to find some success in defensive transition. Still have question marks about Leipzig. They're not dominating matches. BJ talked about this last week. Field tilt numbers a little bit concerning for Leipzig, and they have been prone to be flat in random games. We've seen it against Frankfurt. We've seen it against Gladbach. Could very well be flat here. Fulham, Auger, and Mainz. Three-leg
2: money line parlay. 53-1. to I feel really good about this one. This is going to be the one that hits. You're going to want to be on it. And if it does, Anthony will send you a Philadelphia Phillies jersey uh, if you leave us a comment or something. All right, let's talk about our best bets in the Premier League now. BJ, we'll start with you.
1: Yeah, I like bournemouth Leicester under two and a half goals at plus 105. I really don't think this total should be sitting at plus money. Bournemouth against non-Big Six sides have created little over two expected goals on the season. Their matches against non-Big Six sides are only averaging 1.9 expected goals. They've created the fewest chances, big scoring chances in the Premier League. Leicester has created the second fewest in the Premier League. They've only created three, on the season and their matches against non-big six sides are only averaging 2.1 expected goals. Leicester is a big time candidate for some unders here. They, their matches have had 36 goals off of 20.3 expected. It's been a mixture of really bad goalkeeping and James Madison, just making a ton of shots from outside the box, which really isn't that sustainable. Bournemouth's is going to sit in a low block. And I really have question marks. If Lester going to really be able to actually break down that low block, that's actually been pretty good defensively. So under two and a half goals at plus one Oh five for me.
2: My best bet is Everton. They're plus 275. And a quick reminder, you can follow our best bets and our underdogs in the Action Network app. Uh, the username is Wonder goal Podcast. I like Everton because they're good. And I've been trying to tell you guys this for a long time that Frank Lampard, revolution, just like the Bruno Lage revolution that I called, uh, it's going well. Everton have are on a seven match on beaten streak. They haven't allowed more than a goal since their game against Aston Villa. That was the second game of the year. That is also the last time they lost a match. The United defense is the big key here. 16th in non-penalty expected goals allowed. 16th in shots per 90 and 12th in big scoring chances. And we've seen time and time again with this team and their personnel, they just can't break down teams that are going to sit back and do what to Manchester United, what Manchester United wants to do to them, which is absorb and counter Frank Lampard and his toffees. They keep running up the table, man. Man City's next. Look out. Here they come, Anthony. You're a real sicko for this one. What's your favorite bet?
3: Brighton draw no bet plus 102 at home against Tottenham Hotspur. Look, I have said on this podcast for the last month now that I feel like Spurs are regressing a bit. And I think now without Deion Kulisevsky, you're starting to see the problem that they have. First of all, Brighton will have no problems with the deservey system. They play well under pressure, but they're not even going to be pressed in this match. Spurs pressing indicators are pretty mediocre as, as, as well. They don't press from the front. They don't do a ton of, uh, of successful team pressing. And that means Brighton will have plenty of the ball. They'll be able to play through Spurs a little bit. They should actually control the flow of this match. And it's going to be heavily reliant on Spurs to create in transition, which they're comfortable doing, but without Kulisevsky, they really lack the playmaking ability and I think that's a major concern here on the road. I like Brighton. Drawing no a bet at home.
2: I can't believe you're doing it.
3: And that wraps up
2: another episode of Wonder Goal. For Anthony DeBundo, for BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael leiboff wishing you the best of luck, and we will see you again Monday morning to talk about more Champions League soccer. Until then, best of luck.